Hello and welcome to Saving Lives in Slow Motion. Today, I'd like to talk about a good death. Now, that may sound morbid, but facing facts, it's something that comes to all of us. And, um, you know, I know some people will find this episode difficult to listen to, particularly if you've lost um, a loved one. So do decide whether this is appropriate for you to carry on listening to. Now, as a doctor, obviously, death is very much a part of something I'm exposed to um, frequently. One of my patients years ago described a GP as seeing the carousel of life. People get on and get off, um, metaphorically meaning that, you know, people come into the world and you see these babies who are the next generation, if you like. But at the same time, of course, uh, you're losing patients because many of them naturally move on and die. It, It got me thinking about what makes a good death. I don't think this is something we talk about enough, particularly in the UK. There is still a cultural taboo around death, which is strange because it is an inevitability for all of us and should be, in my view, um, something that we talk about from quite a young age. Now, it's tricky because as a child, I don't know about you, but I was really scared of death. And I had this sort of recurring fear that, you know, while I was at school, something was going to happen to my parents or maybe there was going to be some sort of horrible accident and we'd all be killed off. I think that's fairly common. You know, some children do just think like that. But having talked to friends, patients, and having dealt with circumstances where a death hasn't been perceived to to kind of go the right way um it's pretty obvious that there is such a thing as a good death and there are lots of emotions around death particularly if it is seen as a bad death and i want to kind of explore what those terms mean what is a good death what is a bad death we're jumping straight into it um i want to discuss a paper that was written in the BMJ in the year 2000, which I remember very well, and I can't believe it's that old now, by Richard Smith, who's the ex-editor of the BMJ, very intelligent, thoughtful man. And he lists the principles of a good death, and I, I completely buy into this. It's taken from a report in 1999 called The Future of Health and Care of Older People by Age Concern, which is a well-known UK charity. And what really strikes me is just how this, the, these principles, these 12 principles that they've come up with, hold firm, definitely for me, to this day. So the first one is to know when death is coming and to understand what can be expected. I'd agree with that, definitely. The next one is to retain control of what happens. Can't always do that, but again, it's an ideal. To be afforded dignity and privacy, yes. To have control over pain relief and other symptom control, yes. To have choice and control over where death occurs, for example, at home or somewhere else, yep, makes sense. To have access to information and expertise of whatever kind is necessary, again, in an ideal world, absolutely right. To have access to any spiritual or emotional support, 
Yep, definitely. To have access to hospice care in any location, not just in hospital. Again, in an ideal world, of course. To have control over who is present and who shares the end, absolutely. To be able to issue advanced directives which ensure that wishes are respected. To have time to say goodbye and control over other aspects of timing. And to be able to leave when it's time to go and not to have life prolonged pointlessly. I think they're brilliant. Um, the, The difficulty is it's not always possible to make all of those things happen. Because like a lot of things in life, death can be very unpredictable. It can just happen. And I think, you know, over the years, if I think of everyone that I've talked to who have been through a bereavement, then the commonest themes tend to be that, firstly, they don't want their loved one suffering. Secondly, they want the chance to make sure that there's no crossed words, that everything is, if you like, at peace, um, you know, between that person and, you know, their, their loved one who who's died, so that there wasn't any bad feeling. And that's a tough one. I've got friends um, who didn't get the chance to do that, and it, it um, yeah, plays on their mind still to this day. So there's a, a few things to consider, really. Firstly, death is treated differently in different cultures. And although it's easy for me to sit in the comfort of my home and talk about death, what we mustn't forget is that in some parts of the world, um, sad to say that, um, you know, diarrheal disease is still the leading cause of death of children. And, you know, I find that so hard. If, you know, you can forget all this stuff about good or bad death. That in itself is just so tragic. And other people listening to this will think, well, you know, if, if for example, you have lost a child, and one of the links I'm going to post is a, an article written by Marope Mills, who is a journalist at The Guardian, um, about the death of her daughter. And it's just, it's such a moving piece um, for so many reasons not just in terms of you know, good or bad death. How can you ever talk about a good death for, for a child? Um, it, just, it just doesn't seem right um, having those words in the same sentence, but also very much, you know, learnings, you know, as a, as a medical professional from that article. Um, but I guess the point I'm, I'm trying to make is that um, death is very personal and individual. And also zooming out when you look at different cultures, there's so much variety. Some cultures cremate uh, their dead very quickly, for example, in traditional Hinduism. And also actually in in Jewish custom, uh, the funeral is meant to be within 24 hours. And anyone who's been to a funeral will know that what happens and, and, you know, in in common, whatever the the culture is, is, is... almost universal in that you're remembering, you're honouring and reflecting on the person who's passed away. But that's after they've died. What I'd like to focus on is the run-up to death itself. Is there something we can do as a society to plan a bit better, make things a bit easier? Should, Should we, in fact, 
have a death plan. I know it sounds a bit morbid, doesn't it? But certainly with the lens I have as a doctor, I can see what happens if you don't. And sometimes it's it's a massive scramble towards the end of someone's life where they may have a terminal illness, where they know they're going to die within a few weeks or months, but actually for whatever reason they haven't planned what they want at the end of their life. And by that I go back to those 12 points from earlier on from the report that I mentioned. But how do we do it? You know, it's a bit of an odd thing, isn't it? Oh, let's sit down at Sunday lunch and talk about our death plans. That sounds really morbid, but it's got to be done, hasn't it? And I do wonder whether it should be something that, you know, along with planning your health, your finances, it, it is something not just in, in, in a, you know, in a legal or financial way in terms of lasting power of attorney and all of that stuff, which is very important. I, I, I mean, the other things about where you want to die, who you would like to be around in an ideal world, because of course, we don't know what's around the corner. So I want to delve a bit deeper now into modes of death and the mode of dying. And apologies if this is a bit morbid, but I think it's really important to, to talk about this. Years ago, um, when, when doctors do cremation forms, there used to be a box about the mode of dying in terms of during the person's death, how how did they die? Was it, you know, through exhaustion or, you know, the, the actual sort of biological processes at the end? And I used to find it a hard thing to think about when I was filling in these forms because you're forced to think about that person and, you know, the end of their life. And, you know, um, in our family, we've had some loss um, in the last couple of years. And it's actually made me think a lot about death in general. And I think most people would probably agree that the the best way to go is you, you go to sleep and you don't wake up because that way you don't suffer and it's just like a very long sleep Um Sorry, sounds childish, but certainly for me, that would be a blessing. There's a whole other ethical conversation around the other end of that, where someone is suffering and has no quality of life and just doesn't want to be here anymore. And that's a really difficult one um, as we get into the ethics of euthanasia, for example, which last year was legalised in Spain, interestingly. But lots of people have trenchant views, you know, um, whether religious or not. And so it's it's not an easy area to navigate. I've also come across a lot of people who just don't want to think about death. I guess that's okay as well. They just think, well, when you're dead, you're dead. I mean, what's the point? But death isn't just about the individual. You know, it affects people around that person. And... I don't think anyone actually wants to suffer. I think, you know, I, I would like a good death if possible. And I want my family members and friends to have good deaths as well. It's an ideal and maybe it's a luxury. I don't know. The world is chaotic at the moment and we're, we're lucky to be able to even talk about having a good death given what's going on in other countries at the moment. Where I sit is that I think a death plan is a good idea. And just as 
you have plans for other things in your health, um, birthing plans, for example, I think it's high time we normalised death planning. And how that might look is really very simple. So you, you just have a document, which is, you can call it a death plan, I guess. And then you write down your wishes and who you want to carry out what's in this document and who you want it discussing with in terms of permission um, for people to know about your, your medical conditions, what treatment you want, where you want to die, who you want to be with, and, and you know, what you want leading up to your death. You know, you can, you can take it as far as you, you like in a way. I mean, I have to say I, I've not given it much thought, but, you know, I'd probably quite like to be at home, surrounded by my family. Um, if I can still eat, then definitely have my favourite meal. And, you know, for me, it's, it's a really funny one, this. Um, I, I I think smells are really evocative, and there's one particular smell that I absolutely love. And there's also a reason why smells are so evocative, and that's because it's our most ancient sense in in its evolution and smells send messages directly to our limbic system which is the part of the brain that is emotional and that's why sometimes i'm sure many of you experience this you go to a certain place or you're rooting through stuff in the loft and you open a box and then suddenly a smell comes out of it and reminds you of something with with extreme clarity from your childhood or from years ago Almost like that smell has transported you there. Anyway, going back to the point, if I could design my perfect death, there's a particular smell that I, I really love, and that is the smell of flowers at Hindu religious festivals like Durga Puja, which is coming up now, actually, very soon. I, I'm not religious at all, I have to say, but that smell, for me, from childhood to this day, takes me to a place of comfort and calm. That's just me. But do you see what I mean? So death planning, there's more to it than just the practicalities of finances and, you know, estate planning or whatever you want to call it. The other thing about death is everyone is different and the people who surround the person who is dying often have different views. Just as it is awful to see a relative or a loved one suffering, you can't cut their life short because that's illegal, you know, in, in most countries. And on the flip side, um, you may be told that your relative has no uh, quality of life at all. They may be brain dead, yet you might want them to live on and not be ready to let go. It's not an easy topic to have rules for because life doesn't work like that and death doesn't work like that. And you know, for me, I don't know when I'm going to die. I don't know how I'm going to die. But because I've got this plan in my head of how I want it to be, it's almost, I wouldn't say it's something to look forward to, but it's something where you think, well, you know, when the end comes, hopefully it's going to be a bit like this. Okay, there's a lot to think about in this episode. I know it's um, we've jumped around a lot, but I, I think it's so important, and I'd love to hear from you as well. What do you think about death? Do you think we talk about it enough? Do you think it is something that needs more of a conversation earlier on so that we're all better prepared. So I'm going to end with a quote by someone who was seen as an expert on death and near death. 
um, called Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, a psychiatrist. And, you know, opinion is, is polarised about her and her her views. And actually, in the episode on grief on this podcast series, I talk about um, her a little bit in terms of the stages of grief, um, something that she calls DABDA, denial, anger, bargaining, depression and acceptance. But I do like this quote by her, and I'll leave you with this just to think about. Dying is an integral part of life as natural and predictable as being born. But whereas birth is cause for celebration, death has become a dreaded and unspeakable issue to be avoided by every means possible in our modern society. Now that was from 1975, which is now getting on for nearly 50 years ago. But it is still true. And I think it's time to open up the conversation. I don't know how you feel about that. As I say, I'd love to hear from you. So that's it for today. We've covered death and what it means to have a good death. I hope that's been useful and made you think a little bit, perhaps, about your own life. Maybe it's made you think about loved ones or people that you've lost. Do let me know. And listen... I'll be back again very soon with another topic. In the meantime, do look after yourself. Take care. Bye for now.